Hi, everybody. My name's Doug Rowe, and I am a very grateful alcoholic. <laughs> a very fortunate alcoholic. I, uh, uh, I'm delighted to be in Montana. I've been uh, uh, invited to come to Montana AA functions. This is a, the fourth time, and, uh, and I'm, I love it here in the big sky country and, uh, and the people. And uh, I want you to know that I have a sobriety date. It's June 7th, 1987. Uh, I have a... Yeah. <laughs> My friend said, oh, again, huh? Uh, <laughs> now, this one's going to stick. Uh, and uh, I have a home group. My home group is the Winner's Attitude Adjustment Group of Alcoholics Anonymous who meet at 7 a.m. at the First Presbyterian Church of uh, North Hollywood every day of the year. Christmas, St. Patrick's Day, doesn't matter. We're there. And uh, if you're ever in North Hollywood at 7 a.m., Stop into Colfax and Addison to the Winner's Attitude Adjustment Group. We'd love to have you. I have a sponsor, Dick Kim, who um, who happens to be in the room tonight, and uh, so I pretty much got to you know tell the truth. <laughs> I had nothing against the truth. I I like the truth. I just sometimes color just you know just comes pops into my uh, mind. I uh, I want to thank Gary for inviting me. To come and do this, and uh, I want to thank Bill for picking me up at the airport. And Bill and Gary took me over to the Montana um, Historical Society or a museum or whatever today. Boy, was that fun! Um, we uh, <laughs> we're, we're walking through there. You know, it's funny. I don't think that other people react to things the way alcoholics do, but you know, we're we're walking through. We look at arrows and go, "Oh man, that would hurt, wouldn't it?" You know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I didn't hear anybody else say we all said that. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it's a it was a fun day, and, and I had a lot of fun, and I and I loved uh, I loved the speakers. Um, uh, Sandy and and Kara last night were both great, and uh, and Fred and uh, Pauline this morning, this afternoon were were fantastic. I love Sandy said. Sandy made a point of last night before she started talking, saying uh, how nervous she was, and uh, and that you know it's like it was sort of a disclaimer in case I didn't do a good job. She did a great job, great job, Sandy. And, uh, but it's it's funny how we are in recovery. Like Tommy is not the least bit nervous, and he should be. And, uh, I uh, I love. Uh, Put my watch on upside down. <laughs> it was a good idea, but right side up is just better, you know. Uh, the story of my life. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I was thinking when, when Kira was talking about getting sober and coming in and hooking up with a bunch of young people and doing doing the crazy stuff they did drunk only sober. That sounded like so much fun, you know, dragging a mattress behind a truck down through the main part of town. Yeah, I could. <laughs> they didn't have fun young people like that. Oh, maybe they did. I was 42 when I got sober. They, <laughs> they probably just did. They probably just didn't invite me, you know. Uh, uh, but uh, and Francine's talking tomorrow morning. Francine, I've heard Francine before, and she does some serious recovery. She's uh, she's a lot of fun. And uh, this is a, this is just a fun thing to do, isn't it? You know, I, see, I'm. 
That was a cell phone? Yeah, that was a cell phone. You get that liver? Is that what the deal is? Uh, I know unless you were expecting a liver transplant, you would have turned your phone off. <laughs> and you never know. Many of us are eligible, you know. Uh, I, uh, I, <coughs> I don't know why I'm an alcoholic. You still worry, <laughs> worry me. Uh, I don't ever remember saying... Oh, I'm not an alcoholic. Uh, when I first came to AA, um, I was sure I was an alcoholic. People whose opinions I deeply respected, a number of them had told me I was an alcoholic. And, uh, uh, you know, they can't all be wrong. I mean, I, I got... Plus, I drank like an alcoholic. Uh, and, uh, and I think I acted like an alcoholic. Um, because I wasn't somebody who thought that an alcoholic you know, was somebody like, you know, on the skid row in an overcoat, and it can be. Um, that was my goal, but... Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, went to my, I didn't go to my first meeting to get sober um, or to join up. I'm not a joiner. I made that perfectly clear to everyone I could talk to at that meeting. Um, I went there... To see, I, I had been having trouble with my drinking. And, um, and by the way, I, I, I'm just sort of like the opposite of Sandy. Sandy is a really like, she's a really good speaker, and she's really, really uh, hates it. <laughs> and I love it. I'm just one of those people that loves talking in an AA meeting. I think it's the most fun you can have with your pants on. And uh, <laughs> uh, so. You know, I, I wanted to be the speaker at the first meeting I ever went to. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't ask me. I was a little drunk that night. Um, and you almost never, it's something you almost never hear at an AA meeting. Let's see if we can get the drunk guy to talk. And, uh, so that didn't happen. And people were nice to me, though. You know, people, like, I... I would stand like I don't know why why you're standing in the back, but maybe there's no chairs. But there were there were chairs at the first meeting I went to. But I decided to stand anyway, because um, I I just had the feeling if I sat down, you'd think you got me. You know, <laughs> you'd think you oh, hey hey we got him he's joining up. You know I'm not a joiner. And uh, I went I went there not to see if I was an alcoholic. By the way, if there's anybody who came to this meeting to find out if you're an alcoholic, I have bad news. Uh, non-alcoholics don't ever do that. <laughs> they don't. It's, it's just not something that would occur to them, you know. Uh, all right, I got my kids off to school. I got the, uh, the meals cooked and the dishes washed. I got my car cleaned. I think I'll run down to the noon AA meeting to see if I'm an alcoholic. You know, it's, just, it's like a six-year-old boy going to the doctor to see if he's pregnant. You know, it just... <laughs> doesn't it's not something that would occur to non-alcoholics so I didn't and I didn't go to find out if I was I knew I was an alcoholic if you asked me are you an alcoholic and some people did sometimes I would say yeah um, and plus sometimes people would say to me Doug why do you drink so much well I'm an alcoholic <laughs> you know and it really knocks the wind out of their sails you know, hey boy he knows you know <laughs> I was going to ask him he knows He has awareness. 
an alcoholic with awareness of his disease is like a baby with a razor blade, you know? It's, just, uh, it's not a good thing, uh, necessarily. Uh, but I went to the meeting to see what you did here to stop drinking, because I knew that you people came here and stopped drinking. I had a couple of friends who I used to drink with that came to AA and stopped drinking. And I noticed that their lives changed for the better. They would show up on time, be where they said they were going to be, where they said that when they said they were going to be there, dressed appropriately and speaking in whole sentences. And, um, uh, and so I, I just decided to, to go check out AA and see. My, I think my agenda was to, to see whatever. I'd heard of the 12 steps, of course. I had never heard any of them, but I had heard of the 12 steps and, and the 12-step program, you know. And I mean, you know, in... in, in American culture, 12 steps is like a, people who, who've never heard them read or seen them written uh, will say things like you drop your pencil a couple of times, hey, they got a 12-step program for that, <laughs> you know. And, uh, so, but I knew you, you, you used those 12 steps to stop drinking one day at a time. Give me a break. <laughs> you know, I, I know one day at a time is forever. And... Uh, <laughs> So uh, so what I, I came to my first meeting, and I stood at the back of the room to kind of get, get the range of what's going on here, you know, just to see. Well, I, I figured maybe I could use like six or seven of these steps and apply them to my seriously cutting down, you know. Uh, and uh, so I was standing at the back, and people, of course, would come up and say, hey, you're new. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've never been here before, no. Well, we're glad to have you. Thanks. Thanks. If you want to sit down, there's some chairs over you know, I, I, Hey, hey I'm, I'm like a figure-outer. You know, I'm a smart guy. I see that people come in, people put their purse down, put keys down, put a jacket down. No keys, no purse, no jacket. That's a free seat. I can sit there. I get that. Uh, but I, if I wanted to sit, I'd be sitting. I tell you what, you know, I may not be able to stay for the whole deal. And, uh, I don't want to cause a scene, you know, when I get up and have to excuse me, excuse me, and, and get out. So I'll, I'll just, I'm okay back here. So, you know. You sure? Yeah, you know what? Let me tell you something. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a joiner, all right? I never have been a joiner. I'm a, I'm a loner. I'm an outlaw. I'm a desperado, lady, you know? I, I, I'm a misfit, okay, if you must know. I never fit any place in my life. I didn't fit in school. I didn't fit in the workplace. I didn't fit in my own damn family. I probably am not going to fit here in Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, hug, hug, kiss, kiss. Isn't it good we're not drinking? Uh, I, I, uh, I like drinking. <laughs> and I'm laying it up pretty thick, and she's not offended. She's going, <laughs> you're just like us. Are you deaf? Keep coming back. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so, um, you know what I wish I had had? Um, I see, I see uh, people in meetings today with Bluetooth, you know, and I mean, there is really nothing I know of that, that silently says, I'm very important. I may get a call any minute and have to leave like a piece of flashing electronic jewelry, you know. And... Uh, <laughs> and 
I didn't even, they didn't have cell phones when I got sober. Um, in 87, I mean, they had mobile phones, but they were big. They were in briefcases, and only, you know, movie directors and rock and roll producers had them. And, and uh, the, people had pagers. They had pagers, and I didn't have a pager. Nobody wanted to contact me. But. <laughs> what I had was a, uh, a garage door opener with a belt clip on it. you know, wear it around so it looked like, you know. <laughs> and it's real handy. If, if I get tired of talking to you or my drink alarm goes off or something, I can just go, I, I got to get this. And, uh, you know, sometimes somebody would say, what is that? It looks like my garage door opener. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, combination, garage door, uh, pager, TV remote, the latest coolest thing uh, I'll be right back and, uh, so I'm at the meeting and uh, <laughs> and I I don't know anything that's going on people are nice to me they got a lot of, they got several different kinds of coffee I was impressed with that I like coffee um, and uh, they, they had uh, a table full of literature and you know it seemed like everybody couldn't do enough for you that's nice I'm, so I'm standing back. And I wasn't the only guy standing in the back. There was a, a double doors, like here, and I was on one side of the door, and there was another guy on the other side of the door, arms crossed, leaned against the wall, and I thought, we're the cool section. <laughs> Me and this guy, we were so cool, we didn't even talk to each other. We just like... So they started their meeting, and they're going on. I don't remember. I don't remember too much. I remember that people were nice to me, and, and uh, um, they, I know they had a speaker because I know the meeting. It's a speaker meeting. I can't tell you if the speaker was a man or a woman. Isn't that strange? But I remember people that went out of the way to speak to me, and, and I remember that the secretary said, uh, we have a birthday tonight. I said, a birthday? birthday. We have a birthday tonight. She said, we have a birthday for Ruth for 18 years. And everybody said, yay! And I said, oh, birthday. Okay, a birthday. So I'm looking around for Ruth, some 18-year-old tiny honey, right? <laughs> and uh, Ruth gets up, and uh, she's 50 if she's a day. <laughs> and the first thing I thought was, god damn, if she's 18, she should stop drinking. <laughs> But she didn't look bad. She, she, she looked good. She looked great for 50, a little whip for a teenager is all. And, and, and uh, she was quaffed and made up and dressed to the nines, you know. And so she, and she started up for the thing. And I thought, well, she's not 18. She, this is AA. They don't drink here. This woman hadn't had a drink in 18 years. That's what this deal is. So, I, you know, I'm a, I told you I'm a figure-outer. So... Uh, <laughs> So as she's walking up, these two younger girls come out with a cake with candles blazing, and when they get to her, everybody starts singing. 200 people start singing, happy birthday, in four different keys at the same time. And many of them were not even committed to the key they started in, and uh, I was, I, you know, as Tom told you, I, I have a musical background, and, and I, I, was, I was offended. I said, whoa! Whoa! I wanted to say, stop it! <laughs> they had a piano up on the stage. 
they had a baby grand piano with a sheet over it. And I'm thinking, too, all these people, somebody's got to be able to play Happy Damn Birthday. I could do it. I should run up there, excuse me, people, here I come to save the day. Yank that sheet off of there, happy birthday, but I... I already told everybody who talked to me I told them I wasn't staying so I got no lines and, uh, so I, it, it's a short song I can handle it and, uh, um, <laughs> and so then Ruth gets up after they sing this horrible song and she says uh, hi everybody my name is Ruth and I'm an alcoholic and they said hi Ruth <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is some level of lameness I never knew was available to me. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> she said, uh, I want you to know that over these last 18 years of sobriety, I've attended a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous every single day. And it seemed like everybody was kind of impressed with that. I'm in the back going, You're a little slow, ain't you, Ruthie? You, you are just not the sharpest pencil in the box, honey. Uh, I had this vision of her going home every night, you know, and her husband said, how was the meeting, honey? I got I to gotta go back tomorrow. So... Uh, so I'm kind of having fun. I look over at the other cool guy who I just realized is not cool. I don't know what he's doing back there, but he, maybe he's got the newcomer catcher commitment or something, but he's a member because he, he comes at me with that Jesus sunshine smile, you know, and his hand out, and he says, uh, hey, I'll tell you what, you stay sober a year, we'll give you one of them cakes. <laughs> Uh, don't drink for a year and I get a cake I'm sure that's what he said <laughs> and I knew he meant well I didn't mean him any harm I, I just I said you know I, I'm not much of a pastry eater If I wanted a cake, I'd just stop at Safeway on the way home. You know, I, think like, I think they're like five bucks. It's not even out of my way. I'm going to stop and get a six-pack anyway. But, um, thanks. And then uh, at some time during the evening, the secretary held up this book. She said, this is our big book. It's available at our cost. It's the basic text of the program, the only authority on AA. If you're new, don't leave without this book. They had a stack of them on a the table over there. I am going to steal that book. Um, <laughs> I don't even want it, but she wants me to not leave without it. I'm going to steal it. I have a plan, too. I'm going to open it up. This is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. This is great. And just walk right out the door, you know. And, and uh, I read this book every day. 
And today, I read this paragraph. Most of you are probably familiar with Jim's story. And in Jim's story, Jim, the car salesman, um, had a little tiff with the guy who took over the car dealership he used to own that his father built from the ground up. And uh, he was working for him selling cars. And he just had this bright idea. I don't think I should sell cars in the car lot. I think I'll drive out in the country and sell cars. And uh, <laughs> while he was out in the country, he got a little hungry, and he went in, ordered a sandwich. And uh, he thought he might meet somebody in the cafe that would like to buy a car. <laughs> Prospective client. And uh, so he ordered a sandwich and milk, and he ate the milk. This is the paragraph. I love this. <laughs> Suddenly the thought crossed my mind that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey into my milk, it couldn't hurt me on a full stomach. I ordered a whiskey and poured it into the milk. I vaguely sensed that I was not being any too smart, but felt reassured as I was taking the whiskey on a full stomach. The experiment went so well that I ordered another whiskey and milk. And that didn't seem to bother me, so I ordered another. <laughs> I... If that secretary had read that passage out of that book, I would have bought two of them. Uh, that's, that's alcoholism, you know? That's just like, I understand Jim. I like Jim. I would drink with Jim. <laughs> but, you know, that doesn't mean very much. I'm not exactly the poster boy for san sanity, you know? I... I uh, I'd, I'd run streets with the jaywalker, too, so, you know. Uh, but this book, it's just, I can pick up this book, act like I'm fascinated with it, walk right out the door, and they'll say, leave him alone. I had, you know, and I, th I think that would have happened. But then she said, if you're new tonight and you're financially embarrassed, we understand that. We've been there. We want you to have this book. We'll make very liberal credit arrangements, including nothing down and nothing a week till you get back on your feet. Sounds loving and generous, unless you're going to steal the book. And then... <laughs> I know that there are people in this room, I suspect perhaps a majority of people in this room, that understand that if they're going to give it to me, I have to buy it. And uh, so I, I waited around till the end of that meeting, and I went up to her and I said, excuse me, uh, can I buy one of those books? She said, the big book? Yeah, the big book. I've seen bigger. Uh, <laughs> how much is that book? She said, it's four sixty-five. Do you have it? Four sixty-five for a hardcover book? Yeah, I think I can handle that. Here's a five. Keep the change. <laughs> she said, I'll get your change. No, no, keep that. Use that to help a drunk or something. You know, I'm, uh, I'm on my feet. Uh, so I got the book and I took it home I stopped and picked up a bottle of whiskey on the way home and got home and I opened up this book I poured a th three fingers of uh, whiskey and started to read this not read, read it you know like, like study, read it but just kind of glance through it see what it's about some of it I didn't have to read I didn't have to read the doctor's opinion because I've had doctor's opinions uh, <laughs> I know with doctors, you know, they're persnickety. They're like, you shouldn't drink so much, you know. So uh, 
I'm not even going to bother with the doctor's opinion. For chapter one, Bill's story. Who cares? Chapter two. <laughs> chapter two, there's a solution. That's a sales pitch. I am getting this deal. I, I understand this thing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm above it. It's like, there's a solution. Young man, there is a solution to your problem. The 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous will give you a life beyond your wildest drunken dreams. <laughs> Chapter 3, more about alcoholism. Oh, that sounds fascinating. <laughs> if I had known Jim and Fred and the Jaywalker were in there, I would have read it, you know, but I... More about alcoholism. <coughs> Excuse me. Chapter 4, We Agnostics. Okay, that got my attention. I didn't, I didn't think there was good. I didn't expect to find a chapter called We Agnostics. Um, my grandmother was a Pentecostal minister. She was also an alcoholic who found Jesus and stopped drinking and, and became an ordained minister in the Pentecostal church. And she had a skid row mission in San Pedro, California, down on Beacon Street. If anybody here knows Beacon Street in uh, San Pedro in the 50s, it was a nasty place. And... Uh, uh, you just didn't want to go there after dark. And my grandmother's little white dove mission was right in the middle of all these saloons and shooting galleries and hawk shops. My grandmother would pull these winos and wharf rats in and save their souls. And along with saving their souls, they would get sober. They'd stop drinking. So I knew you could get sober on soup and Jesus. I had seen that done. It just never seemed worth it to me. And, and um, so when I came to AA and I heard everybody talking about God as you understand him and my higher power and power greater than yourself and humbly asked him with a capital H and admitted to God and to God, 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 and it's turned over to God and God, 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 and I'm like, no, no, the last house on the block is Sunday school. And I just, I just, I, I always thought that AA was how the smart people got sober without God, the secular way to get sober. And I, and I was just totally disappointed. But now I'm looking through this book the secretary had said was the only authority on AA, and it's got a whole chapter called We Agnostics. So I thought, okay, here it is. This is how the smart people get sober without God. So I read chapter four. I poured, poured another shot of whiskey, and, uh, and I read chapter four beginning to end, and I got, okay, I'm spacing out here. I missed the whole smart people stay sober without God. Poured another shot of whiskey, read chapter four again carefully. I see this stuff in there, scientific stuff about the Wright brothers and, um, you know, and, and Galileo and, you know, and uh, I got to the end and I, I don't, focus, focus, focus. So I, I, I poured another shot of whiskey and I read chapter four again. Six times I poured a shot of whiskey and read chapter four and... Uh, None, you know, what I wanted to find in there was never in there, but the whiskey slowing down my brain and the constant bombarding of this piece of literature, I actually did get some of what's really in there. And uh, one, for one, there's an uh, extremely significant, subtle little sentence. I, you know, I, I have, I don't know if you noticed, I have a little lisp, and, and uh, so you can, you can imagine how important this must be for me to say extremely significant, subtle little sentence. Uh, <laughs> but it says, uh, we found that God doesn't make too hard terms on those who seek him. And when I finally realized what I was reading, we found that God doesn't make too hard terms on those who seek him. I never heard that anyplace else. The reason, the main reason that I was openly hostile to every sect of every religion that I knew about was 
because it seemed that you had to jump through these spiritual hoops to get God's attention. And uh, if you didn't do them right, you know, God wouldn't hear you. God wouldn't talk to you. God wouldn't help you. In fact, he might even condemn you. And, and, the, and the spiritual hoops the, uh, that you had to jump through were different for every sect, it seemed to me. I'm talking about my drunken perception of organized religion, of course. Um, I didn't really know anything about religion, but it didn't stop me from making fun of them. And... Uh, uh, <laughs> But my grandmother's Pentecostal church, for instance, never suggested that God doesn't make too hard terms. If anything, their message was, you know, they said my name in less than a syllable. You know, we are very sure that God makes hard times on those who seek him. Boy, you know, God will not even hear your prayers unless you are baptized. And I don't mean sprinkled on the forehead like some Methodist. I'm talking about total submersion, boy. That's why we got this tank of water for Christ up here. Come on up, boy. We're going to soak you down, pull you up, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Praise Jesus. Oh, man, somebody get the boy a towel. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm 14, right? I'm going... They're going to drown me. My grandmother told them I touched myself. They're going to send my ass to Jesus tonight. And, uh, that's when you got to start thinking fast without hurting anybody's feelings. You know what, Brother Van Dyke? I, I, um, I'd love to do that, but I got sh- uh, brand new jeans to shrink to fit, you know, and I got to ride my bicycle home, so I, you know, I, but next week I'll come, I'll wear Bermudas or something, you, I'll be right back, and, uh, but if it was just the Pentecostals, you go, okay, well, Pentecostals are over the top. Well, how about Catholics? My girlfriend was a Catholic, she went to communion, confirmation, a um, bunch of other cons that, uh, so... Learn how many Hail Marys and Our Fathers were required to cleanse her soul of the various kinds of sins. If you're not Catholic, I'm not kidding about various kinds of sins. They got them categorized, venial, menial, cardinal, mortal. Some of them you don't even have to do them. If you think about them, express way to hell, buddy. You know? Yeah, yeah, you see Catholic heads shaking all over the room. <laughs> that's right, that's right, yeah. <laughs> They're tough, you know. If you think about them, yeah, you were looking at that woman's breast. But I wasn't thinking of, and now I am, but I'm. (laughs) Don't send me to hell. You send yourself to hell. So what? You know, I don't know. Maybe you get lucky and go to purgatory, which is near as I can figure is hell's waiting room, you know. uh, Just sit in there, read 100,000-year-old magazines and... The devil will see you now. Oh, great, thanks. I'm glad I waited. Uh, and, uh, so I never understood any of that stuff. She would do that, and her, pa- her parents, her whole family would genuflect and, you know, whatever they had to do, and it made them, and they still couldn't talk to God. You know, they, t- they talked to God's mom. Hello, Mrs. God, it's Julie. No, don't wake him, just tell him I love him. Okay, bye. And I never got that. My friend Michael was an Orthodox Jew. Um, and uh, their religion required he and his brother to wear spit curls to public school. And I always thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> That's a fun religion, isn't it? And it uh, seemed like there'd be more Jewish prize fighters, doesn't it? Uh, but I would go over there, and the mother would act like she'd been waiting for me all, all week. Hello, Doug. 
It's an honor to have you in our home. Well, thank you, Mrs. Rothberg. Would you like to join us in some wine and holla? <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, some what? Would you, would you care to join our family in some wine and holla? <laughs> well, I'll have some wine. Um, I'm not much of a pastry eater, you know. Uh, uh, And then there were Buddhists and Muslims and Islam. <laughs> and so I, I don't, oh my. And so I just, uh, I just said, okay, I'll put the, uh, put the religions of the world on that side of the line and I'll stay over here and make fun of them. So that's the guy that came to AA. <laughs> and uh, I was an equal opportunity maker, funder of her. And, uh, <laughs> but here I'm reading this book. It says that we found that God doesn't make too hard terms on those who seek him. In fact, it goes on to say, you don't have to accept anybody's concept of God. A lot of times people, especially new people that come in and they're smarter than they need to be and they, uh, <laughs> that's not something I ever had to worry about, but, uh, uh, but they'll say, you know, the language is so archaic and the, and the book's really not well written. How about this for an efficient sentence? You don't have to accept anyone's concept of God. Is that clear? You know, is that clear? Anyone's, not the Pope's, uh, not uh, Billy Graham, not your mom and dad, not your sponsor, not Bill Wilson's, uh, you know, you're going to need some kind of a higher power, but you can just pick one. And that seems to be okay with the creator of the universe. I never heard anything like that anywhere else. And it got my attention. I didn't have an epiphany when I heard that. Um, But I went back to AA when I read, after I read that, I went back to AA. There's some, uh, I love that chapter. I read that chapter all the time, chapter four. There's another thing in there that says to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live life on a spiritual basis are not easy alternatives to face. That's true if you're an alcoholic. Um, however, the earth people seem to think this is kind of a no-brainer. Um, <laughs> and you can test this one. Get yourself a clipboard and stand in front of the Walmart sometime. Stop people when they come out. Excuse me, I'm, uh, I'm taking a survey. Would you rather die an alcoholic death or live a spiritual life? <laughs> Normies go, what? Am I on candid camera? What? I'll take the spiritual deal. You know, not even, they don't even care if they have to go sell flowers at the airport. You know? Yeah, that sounds good. When you say alcoholic death, are you talking about where you puff up and turn yellow and choke to death on your own blood and vomit and bile? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you put it that way, you make it sound bad. You know? <laughs> yeah. Most people will go get in the long line, you know? Uh, only alcoholics. You'll, if you ever do that Walmart test, you'll know if you find one of us. Excuse me, I'm taking a survey, alcoholic death or a spiritual life. And you get this. You going to be here tomorrow? So... so 
I went back to AA and I started going to AA five, six times a week. And I started falling in love with AA. I, uh, the place I thought I wasn't going to fit, I tried to tell people, explain to people I wasn't going to fit. Now, 20 years later, it's the only place I ever fit, really. And, uh, but I fit more and more as I went. I remember sitting in, in, a, in a morning meeting one time, uh, the meeting that eventually became my home group, um, and everyone who shared, this doesn't happen even now all the time, but, but that particular morning, everyone who shared in that meeting that morning, I related to. It's like they're telling my story. And, uh, and I thought, I'm sitting in a room full of Dugs. Amazing. Amazing. This never happened to me before. And it scared me. Because my first eight months in AA, I didn't do things really good. Um, I, <laughs> I was careful not to. As a matter of fact, I didn't have a home group. I went to a lot of meetings, different places. I didn't have a sponsor. I didn't want people telling me what to do, you know. I didn't have a home group and have a sponsor. I wasn't reading the book. I didn't take the steps. I didn't know what a tradition was. I didn't have a commitment. I didn't believe in God, and I was drinking every day. <laughs> Those things aside, I had a you know pretty good program, um, <laughs> which was uh, keep coming back. That was my whole deal. <laughs> keep coming back, and uh, it's funny, you know. <laughs> my my uh, my dad was a physicist, and uh, he used to tell me. Um, you have to know in order to to invent the television in order to understand the concept of the television you have to understand Maxwell's equations and almost no one understands Maxwell's equations but all we have to do is turn on the button and, and the TV comes on and we need to change the channel and I, and I, I related it recently to a, probably almost everyone in this room knows how to work the mouse on a computer there may even be someone here who knows why when you move that mouse, the cursor moves. Why when you push the button, the file opens. I don't. And I can do it. I'm pretty good on the computer. But in a room full of people like this where almost everybody knows how to use it and hardly anybody, maybe nobody, knows why that mouse makes that cursor move and why if you push the button, it opens the file. But, you know, you would never, like, if you're going in to use it for the first time, somebody said, just... Move that uh, thing around on the desk and it'll move the arrow. <laughs> no, it won't. <laughs> just try it. And then it, when you see the arrow move, move it over to something you want to open and just click it and it'll open that file. <laughs> it, you know, what do you think? I'm an idiot? You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. Tell us, teach it to the rednecks. You know, I'm, a, I, <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm not falling for that stuff. Believe that I believe. I believe you believe. You're a moron, maybe. I don't, you know, I'm not going to try it. I am not going to compromise my integrity (laughs) by moving that thing and seeing that it doesn't work when I know it can't work. And, 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 uh, and that's what, that's what I was doing with God, you know. I'd see the people in AA who were happy with their sobriety, and you could see them. They're active and they're happy, and, and, uh, Happy, joyous, and free. And, uh, and they're the people who talk about reliance on a higher power, whatever it might be. And the people who are miserable, usually, uh, if you say, well, turn that over to God. Oh, shove your God. You know, like, uh, you know I'm not going to compromise my spiritual integrity by praying, you know. <laughs> so, that's kind of what I was doing. I'd go to meetings, and 
After about three months, I got tired of raising my hand as a newcomer all the time. Anybody with less than 30 days, Doug, alcoholic. Anybody in the first 30 days, Doug, alcoholic. <laughs> about three months of this, I just, it got old. And uh, one day I, they said, anybody in the first 30 days? And I thought, hey, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but if you're drinking every day, it's going to be a long time before you have 30 days. <laughs> Screw them, it's none of their business. <laughs> what? Screw them, it's none of their business. It's humiliating. You don't have to do that. You don't have to play that stupid game. So I sat there. I didn't raise my hand. <clears throat> what happened was this girl down at the end of the table said to her friend, Doug's got 30 days. And I realized well, I didn't mean to mislead anybody. I, I'm, I'm not basically an honest person, but I... But I <laughs> No, really, before I got to AA, the most honest thing I ever said was when my first wife said to me, all right, Doug, I want the truth. Did you sleep with my sister? And I said, um, not a wink. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so, so uh, I didn't want to make Crystal look bad. She thought I had 30 days. So when they said, would anyone like to take a 30-day chip? I got up and took the chip. And I went crazy. They were like, yay, Doug, yay, Doug. I said, how do they know my name? Doug Alcoholic, Doug Alcoholic. <laughs> and it made them all so happy that it made me feel good. And now I have a sobriety date, 30 days from my first bogus chip. And uh, <laughs> So I went over to this... Uh, this men's recovery home the next day, and, and uh, they had a noon meeting. I took a chip over there. Yay, Doug. And, so, and then sometimes I, would, I, I, I got mixed up, or I, somebody would smell whiskey, and i have to start over, but only at that meeting. And one time I was at this meeting called the Valley Club, and, and uh, a meeting was about to start, and, and I heard this girl say to her friend, my sponsor says I can't have, six, I, I can't have sex till I'm sober six months. And I thought, well, okay, well, I know what chip I'm taking today. <laughs> You know, can't be too cautious, and um, didn't matter. They're all bogus anyway, you know. I mean, I couldn't have scored in a women's prison with a pocket full of pardons, but, uh, but you know, just in case. You know, how long are you sober? Six months, baby, right there, you know. And, uh, so what happened to me was one day I came home, and I was lying. I had four different sobriety at four different groups. I was drinking every day. You know, I just, I, I was just a bad example. Uh, but I came home from a meeting one night. I had a fifth of whiskey, and I um, laid on the floor and turned on the TV about 10.30 at night and, and uh, drank and watched TV and thought about what I heard at the meeting. And this is what I usually did. And I passed out. I woke up about 3 a.m., also very common got my bottle, turned off the TV, got my bottle and crawled on my hands and knees through the living room, through the hallway, into the bedroom. And uh, some people will call that pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. You're crawling through your own house on your hands and knees. I just called it going to bed. Um, <laughs> in fact, I remember when the first time I thought of it, I thought, hey, that's, yeah, you can't fall off the floor. And uh, so, uh, but this night I got into, into my uh, bedroom and I I stood up to get undressed, and I lost my balance. I fell, and I spilled this whiskey all over the bed. And I picked it up, and there was a little bit left in the bottle. I'm down on my knees, and I, 
I looked at the bottle and I looked at the bedspread and it's all over the bedspread. So I grabbed the bedspread and I started sucking whiskey out of it. There's a lot of Al-Anons here and I hope you're not offended about sucking. That's where the whiskey was. And, uh, okay, I'm not going to take the heat all by myself. You very well may be sitting next to somebody who has snorted cocaine off the floor of a public restroom. <laughs> Got a witness. <laughs> I love you, Francine. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm down on my knees and, and uh, sucking this whiskey out of the bedspread, and, I, and I, a voice in my head said, Hey, man, that ain't right. <laughs> there's, uh, there's whiskey in the bottle, man. You thirsty? No. I'm not thirsty, I'm frugal. <laughs> frugal. Uh, um, but I'm, I'm looking at my life, and I'm, 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 I'm 42 years old. Everything interesting in my life that I've ever done has brought me to the point where I'm on my knees in my bedroom sucking whiskey out of a dirty bedspread, and I don't know what to do about it. I don't know what to do about it. And I, I, I don't think I ever felt more lost and alone. And I did a dumb thing. I said, God, if you're there, please help me. I meant it, but I really didn't think anybody was listening. I was just out of ideas. And out of ideas is a wonderful place to be. It feels like the end of the earth, but it's the beginning. When you're out of ideas, then you will do the dumb shit we tell you to do. <laughs> and uh, I said, God, if you're there, please help me. And uh, I went to bed and I went to sleep. And over the next couple of weeks, Every single day, something weird would happen. i go in my favorite liquor store, somebody from AA behind the counter. Behind the counter of the liquor store. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? <laughs> I just came to get some cigarettes and I, you know, get my smokes and go somewhere else and get a bottle. I'm in, a, in the Vaughn's Market in the liquor department, reach up for a bottle. Somebody from AA is pushing a cart towards me. Hey, one day at a time, keep it simple. <laughs> Beautiful life, isn't it? And... Uh, I'm in a restaurant over in Burbank when I went to lunch across the street. This is a Mexican restaurant. I'm by myself. Start to order a margarita, and the waitress is somebody I know from AA. Hey, how you doing? And uh, this is happening to me every single day, seeing all these people from every time I reach for a drink. Did not stop me from drinking. I want to make it clear that I managed to go somewhere else and get a drink. But after this is happening every day for two weeks, you start to notice it. You can't ignore it, really. And I'm on the way to work one morning, and, and I... Um, I just finished a half pint of Bushmills, and uh, that's a nice way to start off breakfast of champions, you know, and uh, <clears throat> I don't keep empty bottles in the car. They're illegal and useless, and uh, so I roll down the window. I'm tossing this bottle out, and just as, I, just as I let go of this bottle, I see this guy from AA. He sees me, and he waves, and, and I let go of the bottle, and it goes, ding, 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 you know, and, and there's no question. We know what we're seeing when we see that, and... Uh, and the guy went by like, hey, and uh, I thought, where the hell are these people coming from, you know? There can't be this many alcoholics in Los Angeles County, for Christ's sake. It's, they're like cockroaches, you know. Rarely have we seen a person feel. <laughs> uh, I 
So, you, know, it's, you know, it's like those stupid miracles that people talk about. Hmm. Hmm. And I pulled the car over to the side of the road and I sat there. Miracles? No. <coughs> miracles? I remember that I'd been on my knees and said, God, if you're there, please help me. And from that day forward, for two weeks, for 14 days, every time I reached for a drink, there was some member of AA just there, there where they shouldn't be. Huh. Coincidence. But there's a lot of them. I don't know. There's maybe, maybe the only miracle involved was that I happened to notice. I finally noticed that I was getting the help I asked for. And... Uh, can I get a witness? <laughs> and uh, I sat there in that car that morning and I came to believe. I have no idea what God is, but I came to believe that there was a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity. And, uh, and I call that power God just because it's an easy one-syllable word and people know basically what you mean by it when you say it. Uh, and, uh, and since I've come to rely on God, uh, my life has got better. <laughs> you know, so uh, I, I, went, I, I went back to meetings. I'm still telling everybody about my miracle. You know, <laughs> hey, you know what happened? <laughs> I went to the Lawn's Market. And, uh, and people go, yeah, yeah. Somebody said, miracles are a dime a dozen around here. Really? You know? <laughs> and I would say, I know that I understand that most people in AA have a, a spiritual awakening of the educational variety. Mine was, uh, I had the you know, white light experience like Bill Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Try to be humble about it, you know. But, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and finally, this, this guy, uh, <laughs> this guy, uh, uh, Dave, who was uh, sober quite a while, he just got tired of me. He said, you know what? We all have a spiritual awakening of the educational variety. That's why it's an awakening. Uh, he said Bill Wilson had a, had a um, spiritual awakening of the educational variety. He had tried to stop drinking. He found out he couldn't. He went in the hospital time after time. Ebby came over, and he was sober. He saw his friend drunk sober. He, he got all, these, all this information, and he finally put it together, and Dr. Silkworth talked to him. And then he saw his white light, just like you drank going to meetings for eight months, and, uh, and finally heard enough to see the white light. You know what that white light is? That's your, your head coming out of your ass. <laughs> so, I learned, uh, I got a sponsor. I started doing the steps. Um, I, was, uh, I got real active in AA. I was afraid. And I had fooled around with this thing long enough to scare me. And once I stopped drinking, I wanted to stay stopped. And I, and I got active in stuff. And I, and I, and I did the steps. And I, and I helped people. When I saw somebody come in that I hadn't seen, they looked kind of worn out, go talk to them. And I was doing all this stuff. And uh, <clears throat> I still wasn't reading the book because I, well, I just, I'm not a big reader, you know. I'm a busy guy. <laughs> And, uh, but, and I heard the book quoted at meetings all the time. People quote the book. You know, our book says, and then sometimes they even give you page numbers. I have a very good memory, so I can spout out uh, sentences out of the big book, paragraphs out of the big book, 
and uh, page numbers sometimes, you know, so people would think that I read the sucker. And, uh, but what I didn't know, people misquote the big book every single day in AA. I don't think anybody does it on purpose, but we just do it. We say it the way we remembered, and it may be, you know, 90 degrees off of what it was intended to say. And I heard this woman say, <clears throat> our, uh, our drinking was but a symptom of, the book says, I'm all ears, the book says our drinking was but a symptom of deeper underlying causes and conditions. It does say that. But then she went on to add her own stuff. And if you don't find your deeper underlying cause and condition, you're going to drink again. I didn't know she made that up because I wasn't reading the book. And, uh, and she didn't say, then this is my opinion. <laughs> she didn't say, and the book doesn't say this part, so I thought it was all book. And I'm thinking, if you don't find your deeper underlying cause and condition, you, oh, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I came from an upper middle class Orange County family, hardworking, loving, happy family. As far as I know, I'm the only alcoholic in my immediate family. I have uh, two sisters. Um, well, I have one that died at 19. We know maybe she would have made it, but, uh, but I have two sisters now. One of them lives in Kansas. I went to visit her and... Uh, when I was five years sober and we kind of cleaned up our relationship and I was there making amends to her and, and going to meetings and we started talking about drinking and I said, Yvonne, do you ever drink? Do you like, you know, go out with your friends and have a cocktail? And she sings in the church choir and she's active in the church. And she said, well, yeah, you know, I'll have a, I'll have a glass of wine at midnight on New Year's. <laughs> Every New Year's, you know, they call that pattern drinking. LAUGHTER I'm playing with her, you know, but she's, but they, people get real serious when, you know, not, she said, well, not every New Year's. I said, why? Why would you skip a year, you know? She said, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, it's New Year's. There's guns going off. There's firecrackers. There's kids are making noise. The dogs are barking. Sometimes I just forget. Okay, there's the difference. Because I, uh, if Bill Wilson and God came to me and said, Doug, you've been doing a good job. We decided you can have a glass of wine at midnight on New Year's. If I were stupid enough to accept those terms, I wouldn't forget. <laughs> I, you know, I'd be shopping wine in October, you know. I, I, I don't know, the, the Beaujolais might be nice uh, if I'm going to go with red or Merlot. You know what, I like a petite sera. I better get all of them. You know, I'd be sharpening the corkscrew at Thanksgiving dinner and, uh, you know... Uh, so that's, that's really the difference, I guess. Uh, my, my other sister, Yolanda, invited uh, me and, and my, my ex-wife, who was sober. We were together 15 years and sober. Um, and she invited us to dinner one night. And, and there were five of us for dinner. She knew we didn't drink. She was making margaritas. She made a pitcher of margaritas and poured three glasses and poured the rest of it right in the sink. And uh, my wife and I both said, hey! <laughs> she said, what? I said, what did you pour that in the sink for? She said, what do you care? You're not going to drink. And I said, it's not about drinking. It's about respect. You know? <laughs> My, she said, well, maybe I want to use a blender for something else. Randy says, uh, hey, it's a $40 item. I wouldn't kill you to have two blenders. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> so, you know we think different than they do. My dad was the kind of guy who would buy a six-pack of beer and drink one and put five in the fridge and forget they're there. 
If he wanted a beer the next day, he might have to look to see if there was some. You know, we don't, we're not like, I don't understand that kind of drinking. It makes me sick. And uh, <laughs> he didn't understand my kind of drinking. My mom, I don't know if she's an alcoholic or not. We really can't tell because she won't drink. And uh, <laughs> you know, how would you tell? And I said to her one time after I was sober about six or eight months, and I said, uh, why don't you drink? She said, what do you care? I said, oh, well, um, um, maybe you're an alcoholic. That's what I'm wondering, because there's such a thing as a genetic predisposition. It might be your fault I'm a drunk. How about that? She said, uh, well, I, uh, I don't. When I was young, I, I used to drink, and every time I drank, I got sick, stupid, and obnoxious, so I quit. I said, you got to drink through that, Mom. You know, <laughs> There are none so blind as those who will not see. You know, I said, promised land lies beyond six stupid and obnoxious. But uh, she don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, so I don't know why I'm an alcoholic. I don't remember any deeper underlying cause and condition. And I'm looking through my, you know, shining the searchlight over my drinking history, as the book says. And, and uh, I thought, oh, oh, duh. When I was 24 years old, I had just moved from Orange County, California, up to Hollywood to try to make, make a, a foothold in the, in the music industry, try to make a living and connecting with people. And, and I'd play guitar on somebody's album, or I'd, I'd co-write a song with somebody, or sell a song that I wrote, or play harmonica, or sing background. And I was kind of getting a foothold in the industry. And then a show came to town called Hair in uh, 1969. And uh, it... Uh, it was, you know, this Broadway musical about hippies, about me. <laughs> I went to see it, and I just fell in love. It was Broadway history, you know? And I, I just said, oh, my God, this is so good. I could do that. There was a character named Berger that swung on a rope and stripped down to a loincloth and went out and insulted the audience. And he was, you know, drugs, sex, and rock and roll. I said, I could do that. So I, <laughs> the next day, I called the theater, and I said, hey, I wanna, I'd like to be in your show. What do I have to do? And the guy said, just a minute, I'll connect you. He connected me with the company manager. And I said, uh, I don't, I'd like to be in your show. I came to see your show last night. I want to be in it. What do I have to do? And he said, uh, do you sing and dance? I said, yeah. I never dance. I don't, I've been danced a step in my life. You know, I'm the guy up on the bandstand playing guitar or bass and watching people. I know what good dancing looks like. I can tell good from bad. But I never tried it. But I can sing. And uh, I, so I said, yeah, I can sing and dance. And he said, uh, uh, what's your name? I told him, and he said, come down, uh, what are you doing Friday at 1 o'clock? I said, you tell me. He said, come on down to the Aquarius, and uh, we're having auditions Friday at 1 o'clock. I'll put your name down here. Bring some sheet music, something you want to sing. Okay. I got, a, I got an audition Friday at 1 o'clock. So I'm practicing through the, a couple of days, and, and the Friday morning I got my guitar out. I'm practicing the song I'm going to sing because I, I really got to knock them out on this one song, and, and uh, I broke a string. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and it was a D string right in the middle. And, and it just, it's hard to explain, but hippies were like, oh, bad karma, dude. You know, so, uh, so I, I went into my roommate's room to see if he had the string that I needed. And he played guitar. And, and right in the middle of his dressing was a little envelope with a D. It's a D string. I said, uh, good karma, dude. <laughs> so I picked up the envelope. And underneath the envelope, there was a little white capsule. And I wonder what that is. Oh, because uh, we we didn't have a PDR, and you you pretty much had to swallow test everything, and, and uh, 
you know, it's a very effective test. I mean, forget about motor, motor vehicles and heavy machinery. And if you swallow it, you're going to know it before long what it does. And, uh, and if somebody dies, don't eat the green shit. You know, so, uh, so I, um, this turned out to be THC, synthetic marijuana. And uh, uh, it was a nice little psychedelic, too. <laughs> so by the time I got down to the Aquarius Theater 45 minutes later, I was floating. I was just... Like, you know, and my hair was long over my shoulders. It just swished when I walked, and I had these hip-hugger bell-bottoms on, bells about this big, you know. No shirt on, just a... I was 50 pounds younger, but... Um, no shirt, just this vest with six layers of foot-long red, white, and blue leather fringe. Woo! I was a walking wind chime, you know, and I just walked in there with my sheet music, and I stood at the back of the of the theater and watched people audition, and Oh man, these hippies can sing. You know, look at this girl dance. And I, I almost forgot what I was there for. And somebody said, Doug Rowell, is Doug Rowell here? And I said, Yeah. So I, come on up. So I went up on stage and I handed my sheet music to the piano player. <clears throat> and he looked at it, big smile, and he winked and he started to play. Bum, 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 bum. I said, Wow! I feel good! Went into this James Brown number, and I thought I was the godfather of soul, you know? It's like, down on one knee and back up again. And when I hold you, I, in my arms! And I see them, they're nudging each other, these kids sing, you know? And uh, so I finished, wow, 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 bum, 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 wow! And they said, great, man, great, we love your energy. Can you do something a little mellower so we kind of get a range? And I said, sure. So I went into an a cappella version of Otis Redding's Dock of the Bay. And, uh, and the piano player fell in with me. We were right in the pocket, you know. And it was just, just felt right. I made myself cry. And, uh, <laughs> you know, looks like nothing gonna change, you know. And I saw, like, I saw them nudging each other. This kid can sing. And so after, I, they said, great, man, fantastic. We got to see a dance is all. So I said, hit it, and the guy started to play, and I start, you know, <laughs> start moving around, and I see my hair coming around the side. <laughs> and the fringe on this vest. And uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a hurricane of trails, you know. <laughs> and I heard somebody say, Jesus, can he dance? <laughs> Because alcohol and drugs did for me what I could not do for myself. And they hired me, but not for the L.A. company, which I thought I was auditioning for. They were having auditions for the Las Vegas company. So they said, we want you to go to Las Vegas and understudy the, uh, the lead role. Cool. So I went to Las Vegas, and, I, and uh, uh, we played Vegas for six months, and I was the understudy. Then we left Vegas... And we became the first national touring company of hair, and I got the lead role. And I, was, I, I, got, I got to play the obnoxious speed freaks, sex crazed leader of the tribe. You know? <laughs> it was a stretch, but I could do it. And I did that for three years, the United States and Canada. And people would come up on the stage afterwards. You know, we'd bring the audience up and dance with us, and, and they'd say, somebody would go, I love you, brother. You like pot here, man? Have some Cincinnati, Maui Waui, Panama Red, Acapulco Gold, you know. <laughs> Great, thanks. <coughs> you like acid, man? Here, Osley, Purple Haze, Orange Sunshine, Window Pane, hey, 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 
got a witness. And uh, <laughs> some girl would come up and go, oh, God, God, I love you. Take me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and traveling around the country and getting paid for it. It was a pretty good job. Uh, <clears throat> but I looked at it from my newfound sobriety, and I realized they had used me. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to sing and dance and make people happy, you know, and they made me a drug addict and an alcoholic. And, uh, You don't realize how victimized you are when you're being the victim. You have to get away from it, you know, get some therapy. And uh, um, I, uh, I called my sponsor. I said, hey, uh, hey Jim, I found it. He said, you found it, did you? What would you find? Oh, my deeper underlying cause and condition. <laughs> oh, let's hear that. And, uh, <laughs> hair. Your hair? <laughs> Not my hair. Remember I told you when I was uh, traveling the country and I was a big star and everything? Oh, yeah, I forgot about the big star deal, yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but I thought you were loaded when you auditioned for that show. Ooh, I told him too much. And uh, I said, yep. He said, let me tell you something, Doug. When most people, non-alcoholic people, most, the majority of people, when they go to interview for a job they really want, won't take a drug they can't identify. <laughs> you know, and I mean, it totally made sense. And uh, I don't know, I, you know, they go to sponsor school, don't they? And, and uh, I said, okay, then I don't know what my deeper underlying cause and condition is. And he said, I, I don't know what mine is either. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, but just, uh, if you want to look for it, fine. I'll give you something to do between meetings, but... Uh, <laughs> You know what? Two weeks ago, on May 3rd, I went to, uh, to New York City for the 40th uh, anniversary of the opening of Hair on Broadway. And, uh, and there were a lot of people, there were 110 people who had done the show previously in, uh, in the United States and uh, uh, touring companies, the sit-down companies and from Sydney and, and Tokyo and uh, um, London. And, and we all gathered the ones who, you know, who could afford to be there and... and uh, and still alive because some of us didn't make it, and uh, um, and we and we sang, we sang 110, 110 of us um, singing uh, <laughs> beads, flowers, freedom, happiness. Well, you'd have to be there, but uh, uh, <laughs> sodomy, fellatio, <laughs> pederasty, conolingus, you know, just these beautiful. Songs from the 60s. It, it, sounds, it sounds bad now, but... Uh, and uh, I've never said those words from an AA podium before. So glad my sponsor could be here. <laughs> And you were here. But the thing is, I never did find my deeper underlying cause and condition. My sponsor told me, read the book every day. If you can't read a page, read a, read a, if you can't read a, a paragraph, no, he said, if you can't read a chapter, read a page. If you can't read a page, read a paragraph. 
you got the rest of your life to recover. You need to stay in the middle of it. That's the bottom line. And that's what I tell the guys. I never found my deeper underlying cause and condition. I think I finally settled on trauma from circumcision. You know, I, I, <laughs> God, you know, it must have been pretty traumatic. Uh, I don't remember it. I must probably blacked out or something. And uh, if it happened today, I'd be a little restless, irritable, and discontinued. <laughs> But you know what I found? I found the music of Alcoholics Anonymous here. The music of, there's a, a rhythm and a harmony and a melody that runs through this thing and makes the words make sense. Words like rigorous honesty it used to make me crazy, you know. I don't know about rigorous honesty. I don't know what that is, you know. Maybe I'm not honest enough. I lie to waiters every day. A waiter says, sir, would you like a cocktail before dinner? <laughs> He's not trying to ruin my life. He's doing his job, you know. I, I lie to him. I say, no, thank you. Um, well, I had to be rigorously honest and say, uh, the truth is, boy, I, I would. I'd like a, a big-ass margarita about this big. <laughs> Keep them coming. And, and a double Bushmills neat back. And uh, No, you know, I, I, actually, I can't. Don't bring me any alcohol. I have an illness. It's a mental obsession coupled with a physical allergy and spiritual bankruptcy. You don't want that in your nice restaurant, do you? Uh, But I'm listening to the music in here, and I think the music is the laughter. We come in here sick unto death and dying and feeling like we're never going to laugh again, and what's so damn funny? And we hear somebody laughing, and it's me. It's me, I'm laughing. And we start laughing ourselves weller than we were before we got sick. What an incredible gift we have here. Thanks for sharing it with me. (laughs) 